Hello everyone, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast where we talk about Jesus, how much we love him and what he's doing in our church. Here's this week's message. We pray it blesses you, but most importantly, that it changes you. Check it out. If you've got a Bible, go to Acts 20 verse 7. It's only a short passage. And there's just a few different lessons in here um, that we're going to look at. I really believe God is about to do something huge, and you probably hear that from so many churches and pastors and YouTube channels and stuff all the time, but I really feel like there's something about to break out, like really break out. I think we're going to see something incredible happen as a church, but I really believe God's like, but, like, it's, you've got a responsibility. Everyone has a responsibility to take care of, of their relationship with him and to humble themselves, get right with him and seek him. And, and I think God's saying, like, that's what I'm, I'm waiting on, is he's, is, is he's ready. I really, I've been speaking to a few people this week. I really believe revival is in the air. There's a song called Revival's in the Air, yeah? I really believe it's actually in the air. It's not in the atmosphere anymore. It's not in space anymore. It's in the air. It's here. But I really believe that until we see it, ta- we're not going to see it tangibly come to, to fruition until we've done our business with God, which is what Scripture talks about. If anyone ever tells you there's no formula to revival, tell them that they need to go and read the Bible, okay? Very, very simply, there is a formula to revival. It's called humble yourself and pray. Turn from your wicked ways, yeah? Cry out to God. He will hear your cries and he will heal the land. So people think, well, what book do I need to read? There is no book. What, what pastor or leader or church do I need to read? There is, there is none. There is no series that you need to go on. You just need to do business with God. Now, what's exciting is when you, are, when you lead a ministry or you're leading a church, you might have a few people that are like with energy and, and excitement about the vision about what God can do. And people come into that, don't they? So sometimes people are coming into that and they'll go, oh, I kind of like what you're doing. And they join in with that. But at the beginning, sometimes you're just pioneers. You're just somebody trying to get something off the ground. You'll notice if, even if you do like a program in a church. Yeah, usually it's like, I've got an idea. It's going to be brilliant. And you, they come and speak to the pastor or leaders or whatever. And you, and you go, that sounds great. Go for it. And then you're trying to sp- spread that enthusiasm into the other people. And they're looking at you blankly because they haven't, they don't know what you're on about because it's what God's poured into your heart. But when people start to grab hold of it, then, then it starts getting momentum, doesn't it? It starts to become the very thing that you imagined it could be. And I, that's what's exciting about the church is that actually it's not just a few people just keep on saying the same thing over and over. Come on, guys, let's repent. Come on, guys, let's get humble before the Lord. Come on, guys. Like, and you're looking out and everyone's just like, yeah, 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 change the record. What's happening is people are like, that's you, people, um, are seeking God, humbling themselves, praying. Yeah, going away from this place on a Sunday and saying, it's not just about what they give me on a Sunday. I've got a relationship with God. I've got to work through and maintain throughout the week. You guys are taking it into your workplaces, into your families, into your homes, into your neighborhoods, into your streets. That's incredible. And even though that sounds like that should be standard Christianity, it hasn't been. It's been about one day going through the motions, ticking a box, feeling holier than thou for six or seven days, and then going back and doing it again and saying, I think I'm okay with God. And that's the biggest um, weapon of the enemy or the stronghold of the enemy in our culture, in our nation is religion, the spirit of religion is believing that we're actually um, Christians when we're British or that we're Christians because we, someone put water on our head when we were a baby and we knew nothing about it and people are living in a complete devoid, they don't go to church, they don't really acknowledge Jesus but they're like, oh yeah I'm a Christian, my mum said I could have some water on my head when I was younger so that qualifies me and people go People are living in a delusion of religion, of rules that someone says, oh, this qualifies you when it's not true. And we've got to be really careful ourselves that as we walk in in what God is doing with us, that we don't pick up the same traits. That we don't start falling into a comfort place, a comfort zone or complacency. So I just want to share this story with you. But I'm excited about what God's doing and I believe that's why we're going to share this. We're going to wait in God's presence and we're going to see what God wants to do. But I think... God is going to do some great things going forward. I think we're going to see some real change happen in our city. I think the Spirit of God is really going to move. And I believe it's it's our responsibility. We can't wait on God to do it. He's waiting on us. Yeah, he's, he's the revival's in the air. The reason I believe revival's in the air is because I keep seeing it every week. I keep seeing like just 
different things happening. Obviously, it might be more privy to some things than you guys. But the people that are coming through the doors, people are walking through the doors and giving their lives to Jesus. We had a, a guy come in this week and connected through John, who John just handed a leaflet to. He didn't even get John usually speaks to me, but he, he just was preaching at the time, handed a leaflet. And the guy's like, God's told me this is my home. This is where I need to come to. I need to get right with God. I'm in a, I've come out of a bad background of religion, and I need, to get, I need to get born again. I need to get baptized. That's happened this week. That's revival. That's revival. That's somebody's spirit waking up. So we're, revival's in the air. God's just, it's because it's in the air, we can't, it can't help but the fact that it's touching things and changing things. But it's not tangible yet because God's saying, I'm waiting on you guys. And I really believe it's our responsibility, whether you've been saved for a, a week or whether you've been saved for like two, three, four decades. Uh, Jill, your son gave his life to Jesus last week. How many years have you been praying for him? That was it. So years, years and years. So revival was in the air. Things that weren't happening before are happening now. Lives are changing. In fact, Debbie's there. Her daughter's in this church now, coming to this church. We prayed for, for Emily. There are people here that were being prayed for that seemed that they would no way even be here, and they are. Revival's in the air. God is moving. Things are happening. So I believe that we're, we're seeing more and more things happening. God is there. We don't need to wonder. We can see it, really. But God is waiting on his people to humble themselves, to pray, to turn from any wickedness, to get on their knees and just say, God, where, am I where I need to be? And if we can do that collectively, wow, what will God do? Acts 20, verse 7. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named um, Eucatus, Eucatus, Eutychus, Eutychus, that's it, um, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him and said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Now... He had come up and had broken bread and eaten and talked for a long while until daybreak. He departed and they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted or in some it would say they were greatly comforted. Okay. Um, it's like Yoda speaking that last bit of my Bible. They were not a little comforted. Okay. Um, so I'm going to break this into three parts quickly. The first day of the week, Paul's preaching and this guy called uh, Eutychus. Okay. Acts 20 verse 7. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, do you know what we identify as the first day of the week in the Bible? Sunday, yeah. So when people say to you, why do you meet on a Sunday? Because the disciples did. End of story. Done. Yeah? That's it. They chose the resurrection Sunday. They chose that day to be the day that they would gather together. And that's not the only example in the Bible of them doing that. That's the, that's all, that's the lesson. There you go. So if anyone's getting at you, anyone's trying to say it should be the Sabbath on a Saturday or whatever, you know, you could meet whatever, you do whatever you want, really. But the reality of it is, why are we gathering on Sundays? Don't get into the, all the junk office. The Catholic Church set it up. So we've got, to, it wasn't. It was the disciples. They chose the day because it was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So that's why we're here. So you don't have to feel, oh, I don't know if it's right. What day should it be? Do what you like. But the truth is, if the disciples did it, it's good enough for me. Okay. Um, so I'm going to skip all that bit. We're not going to go anymore. Okay, so Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Write this in your notes. You write, anyone writing notes? Anyone? Yeah? I need to not complain anymore how long Rich preaches for. <laughs> Have you written it down? Good. There we go. <laughs> I am deadly serious. If you not write, write it down, go. <laughs> I thought he was serious. Of course I. <laughs> so we're going to look at Eutychus, and we're going to we're going to look at why three things led him to falling out the window to his death. The first one is, was his attitude. 
So the early church has started. This isn't too far from when the early church had begun. And obviously, it probably got wind that gathering on a Sunday was the thing they did. And they found out that Paul was in town and, and um, he was preaching. That's who he'd gone to gather because that was what you did. That's the, you know, he's probably found Jesus or he's interested in Jesus, but he's going there and he's going to, to listen to what's going on. He's gathered together. But gathering together on a Sunday is not what defines you as a Christian. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, so when people say, do you go to church, what does that mean? Jesus isn't going to ask you that question when you get to heaven. Did you go to church? You say, yes, every day for 50 years. You say, right, do you know me? Uh, no. Right, that's, then you're out. The most important thing is that we know him, obviously. But don't go around. Do you, have you ever noticed? You, I don't know if you've ever noticed. I still say it now and then because it's in, written, built in us. But I write the gathering. I say you come into the gathering. I never say you come into church. Because we define this as being the church, like the building. We're not going to church. We are the church. Yeah, so are you coming to the gathering? Yeah, we come into the gathering. That's why we call it the gathering now. So change the way you say it. Like, I'm coming to the gathering. That's what this is. But when you get together for a ladies group on a Tuesday, that's the church. Yeah, it's not, it's coming together. Bless you. You right? Okay. Are you having a mint? Yeah. Claire has mints and then she sneezes every time she has a mint for chewing gum. So there you go. <laughs> but she's got minty fresh breath now. You can pray for me. I don't mind. Okay. Yeah, so, so we end up, yeah, we can end up um, falling into the trap where uh, we define ourselves as something else and we call church like, oh, this is the church. But actually church is where two or three are gathered in his name. And we need to kind of understand that the gathering is really important. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. Yeah? That's why I call it the gathering. Maybe just in case you're wondering, why does he keep saying gathering? Why doesn't he say come to church? I know, understand that if you're inviting new people, it's easy to say come to church, yeah? They're going to understand that way better than the gathering. But actually, when we talk about it ourselves, let's get out of the mindset that this place is the church and that actually that we are the church when we're gathered, when we're collective, when we come together. So, um, so he comes together and he's there and he's um, gathering like everyone else is gathering, okay? So maybe the first thing is he's there because everyone else is. Yeah, he's not really there because he should be, because he wants to be. He's there because just, oh, that's what we do, isn't it? I'm at church today. I'm going to church today. Everyone else is going to church today. I'll go to church today. And, it, and, and, and it's that kind of mindset. I'm going to this thing um, that everyone else is doing. And that's really, really dangerous. It's, it's great to get into a routine of being together and coming to, you know, almost, um, I saw a meme this week and it, or in the last few weeks, and it said, church should be the excuse of why you can't do other things. Yeah, so when we say to people, why were you not there on the gathering? Why didn't you come? You should say, it should be the other way around. I can't come to that because I'm actually in the gathering. I'm actually with my church. Yeah, but like, it should be the other way around. But we also have, the, it's always the other way around, isn't it? Oh, I would be there, but oh, I would come, but oh, yeah, but. But actually, if, we're, if we understand how precious and how important it is to us, it's almost like, no, I got a, my schedule needs to be clear that day or for a certain amount of time. Um, because that's really precious and really important for me and for my relationship with God. So it's great that we gather together and that we do that. But if we just fall into the trap of just end up going, we can get into a dangerous place where you can just be sat here doing what everyone else is doing and actually not know much about the one that you're meant to be worshiping. So attitude is one. What's your attitude like? How is your attitude in coming and, and the meeting? And what are you like when you get here? Are you... I'm really thankful that our church isn't like this, mainly because we didn't pander to it anyway. But there are people out there that have almost, you could probably find them. In fact, they do exist, definitely, because I've had a few, that do reviews on churches. You know, like Google reviews? And I, was, I thought, God, how do I turn this off? Like, this is the most ridiculous thing to have. Oh, a cup of tea was lovely. Preaching was average. Yeah, like, whatever it might be like, like. We've created a culture in society that's now spilled into the church that's almost like we window shop for church. And that we can go there and say, oh, well, they do this, this, did this thing with the Holy Spirit, I didn't like that. Okay, I don't you know, like all this kind of stuff. But actually, 
Church, church, the gathering should be a place, a family that you want to be part of because God's called you there. Not, not because it ticks all the boxes for you. And that's the danger. That's why there's so many burnt out pastors today. Because they're trying to please people. Because they think if they can do what the people want, yeah, then, um, then actually then they're going to have loads of people come. But actually what they do is they end up realizing that they do what the people want and they, it's not enough. They're still moaning about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Have you ever read the story of Moses and the, and the people in the wilderness? It didn't matter how much God did. It didn't matter how much Moses did. To try and please or, or appease the people, it was never enough. So it's better to do it God's way, isn't it? It's just better to be like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, where do you want me to be? I want to just do it your way. Because if we're going to do it their way, like, if we're going to do it that way, I might, I might, I might get a little bit of uh, encouragement every now and then. But eventually, they're just going to moan about the next thing they don't like and the next thing they don't like. So to attitude, what's your attitude? How's your attitude? Is it, oh, I hope they don't sing those songs. Oh, I hope they, the preacher's like, oh, oh, no, it's so-and-so speaking to this week. Oh, like, what is it? Because if you come into the church that you're called to be part of, then you're going to love all of it. You're going to be part of all of it because it's God's plan. So your responsibility isn't to be like, oh, I'm going to go and visit another church and then another church and I'll make a decision. Your responsibility is just to simply ask God, is this where I'm supposed to be? And if he says, yeah, then your attitude needs to change. You just need to come and embrace what God's got for you. Find your place in the body. Seek God. Spend time in his presence. But we've created a culture, haven't we, that's almost saying, like, go to church because that's what everyone does if they call themselves a Christian. And whilst you're there, you know, make sure you find a place that ticks all the right boxes. Nothing to do with the Bible, yeah, just to do with all your feelings and needs and stuff like that. Our church has got Starbucks now. Awesome. What's the word like? I don't know. I, didn't, I was in the coffee shop the whole time drinking my Starbucks. Like people, this is the mindset and the attitude that people can have is almost like the church is now meeting my need. But I, I'm, I'm, the need I actually need is change. I need the word of God. I need the Holy Spirit. Find a church. If you leave this church, find another church. That is operating with the word and the Holy Spirit. Not one that makes a good cup of tea or, or sings the right songs or whatever. Or fits into your time restrictions. Attitude. Verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room and they were gathered together. And a window sat, in a window sat a certain name named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. Now, these lamps were oil lamps. They were lamps that produced fumes, and they created an atmosphere. And it was the atmosphere that affected this lad. The second note to make, so the first one's attitude. The next one to make is, is atmosphere. What atmosphere are you allowing around you to influence you? What influences you? What is influencing you? What are the things you are allowing to affect you as a person? What voices are you listening to? The second reason that they ended up killing Eutychus was that he was not aware of the atmosphere he had put himself into. And then connecting that to the wrong attitude, you have a recipe for disaster. Bad attitude, wrong atmosphere, recipe for disaster. The final reason why Eutychus died was his location. And this is really important for everyone to hear because you can be in the right place but in the wrong location. So you can actually be where you're meant to be. I got out of bed today and I, I made it. I got through the traffic or with, through the toddlers screaming or the teenager crying or whatever it is. I got past all of that and we worked through it and we're here. We made it. And then you plonk yourself in the worst place possible to distance yourself from anything. So you've made it to the place, but now you're not going to connect to anything that God's got for you. So you could be here. You could have done all the amazing things like push through, work hard, you know, whatever to get here. But if you've done all the fight to get here, don't stop there. Don't get complacent. Don't get comfortable. Find out now, okay, God, I made it here. What do you want me to do? What do you want to say to me? What do you want me to hear? What is it you want from me? And sometimes we can, we can get here, because sometimes it's not easy to get here on a Sunday. 
Yeah, not everyone lives on the estate. Other people got drive distances or they've got children to deal with or there's certain things happening and there's drama, you know, usually with your husbands and they're always creating drama, okay? And, um, and, you, and, and then so what happens is you just, you get here and sometimes it's almost like, oh, I made it, that's it then, I'm good. And God's like, no, 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 you can be in the right place but in the wrong location. You know, I find, um, I found like even today I was, I was um, just checking that everything, as I always usually do, just checking everything's working all right. And, and then I stood at the back for a little bit, and I just felt like, Lord, I feel like I'm really struggling to connect today. And it's because I'd put myself in a position that I don't, it's not usually a place that I kind of feel like that's my worship place with God. And everyone might have a different place for that. For someone else, it might be like that location. Yeah, it might be the right place for them. But finding that place with God, what's the right place for you? Like, what, what, how does it work? Where do you feel comfortable where you can worship God in spirit and truth? Or you can listen to the Holy Spirit? Or you can, maybe even if you, the word's being preached, that you think, actually, I want the best uh, place to be able to receive that. And maybe it's just moving next away from someone that's distracting. Don't do it now. Just do it next week. Okay. <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, but actually just having that understanding of like, sometimes you can be here, but not be here. And that's not just in the gathering on the Sunday, but it could be in anything to do with God. Like, anyone ever tried to spend time with God, yeah? And you're like, you're there, you're in the right place, but you're not really there. Yeah, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm, here. I'm doing this thing with you. But God's like, we're not doing anything right now. You're, you're, just, you're not actually spending time with me. You're, you've positioned yourself in the wrong place because the TV's still on. Yeah, or you haven't waited for the kids to go to bed. So you're like, Lord, give, Lord, uh, like, and then all the kids are like, oh, Lord, if you really want me to spend time, you would have shut them up. But you didn't. Okay, so like, you know, like, but actually God's like, you're not positioning yourself in the right place to spend time with me. And then we get agitated, don't we? Because then we're not spending time with God and we're getting frustrated and then, and, and it spills over into um, the sort of negative things that can happen to us. So he was, he was in the right place, but he located himself in the wrong place. So he turned up to where Paul was preaching. The people were gathering, they're breaking bread, probably worshiping the Lord. You know, there's three stories. So there's lots of people there to gather and hear. And, and yet he placed himself in the wrong place. He placed himself next to the window. Um, that, that wasn't there. There was no glass, obviously. He just. How does it happen? How do we place ourselves in the wrong location? Well, firstly, we have the wrong attitude. Secondly, we can be around the wrong atmosphere. And because of that, end up, because of those things, we end up locating ourselves in the wrong place, a dangerous place, a place where it can end up causing us to um, suffer and struggle and not receive what God wanted for us. So this lad, he turns up, the atmosphere is wrong, the attitude is wrong, then his location is wrong, and all those things matter, factor together causes him to fall out the window to his death. Your comfort zone can kill you. And I want to just challenge you uh, in alignment with what I was saying right at the beginning. God is talking to all of us about how we find that time with him. How we get into his presence. You can't stand still. We can't stand where we were last week or last month or last year. And, 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 and that might have been a really good moment for you. God is always moving us forward. He's always moving us on. We see this in the, in the, with the tabernacle. He's showing us that the presence of God moved. They had to move with the presence of God, with the tabernacle in the wilderness. Like when God moves, we've got to move. We can't just say, but this was such a good location. There's a river and, and, it's, and my tent's like in the best place. And God's like, no, this is where you need you to go now. This is the next place for us to be. And what we can end up doing is we can end up um, not moving with God and getting comfortable with whatever it is that God has already done. And then we die. And that's what actually is religion. It's when God has already moved. I don't doubt for one sec. Religion is like man-made, yeah? But I believe religion births out of something God did. I think God did something for people to believe in it that much. That once he did it, he said, right, I've done with that now. We're going to move on. And everyone said, no, we like this. This is really good. So we're going to keep this. We're going to have this. And that's why you can walk into a lot of places that have Jesus' name on, on, the, on the door, but actually you go in there and you're not actually encountering Jesus because Jesus isn't there anymore. He said, oh, actually, if you hear the stories, maybe he started off, maybe some great things happened, but they're still living off yesteryear's, like, testimony. They're like, oh, back in 1935, the presence came. You're like, 
It's like nearly 100 years ago. What, do you know the presence is in you? We just sang it. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. I was chatting to Nick this week, and, um, and we were talking about like the, the, the plan or the challenge that God's got for us as a church. Do you know what? I don't think our, our vision is to, to get people to revival. I think God's got a plan for that, and we're on the journey with him on that, and I believe we'll see things. We'll see, we'll see revival. I believe this is our mission, to show that actually just two or three gathered with the Holy Spirit can change loads of lives. Because this is actually just what church should look like. Yeah, we're a work in progress. Like, like before anyone starts saying like, oh, you're so big-headed about your church. No, I read the Bible. Yeah, I'm very proud of our church. I'm proud of what God's done in it. I'm going to talk about all the things that God has done. But actually, ultimately, when you think about it, when you read the Bible, especially Acts 2, you just realize, and this passage here, they gathered together, they broke bread, they spent time together, they loved one another, yeah? They, they gave as, they, as others needed. But it's all written in here. When people are saying, what's the formula for a, a healthy church? It's read the Bible. Stop reading other people's books. Stop looking at what other people are doing. Just read the Bible. If you just do the basics, humble yourself, get right with God. So here's my view, right? Now, we might be in end times revival. Israel's just been attacked. Maybe we're at the end. I don't know, okay? Don't quote me on any of that. But the reality of it is, let's just assume that we're not. Let's assume that it, our grandkids are going to grow up to know Jesus, okay? Or hopefully know Jesus, as in, as in I haven't got any yet. That's what I'm saying, yeah? Well, let's assume that there's a future ahead. So let's assume, okay, that if that's the case, I don't want my grandchildren to grow up not knowing Jesus the way I know Jesus now. I don't want my grandchildren to grow up in, in experiencing um, the powerless church like we once did. I want them to experience the power of God as they grow up. So I believe that in history, revival comes and goes. It's like a tap that's full blast and switched off by God. It comes for a moment and it goes. And it's incredible and it's amazing if you, we get to be part of something like that. Wow, 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 that we get to talk about it. But it will come and it will go. But revival isn't in this place. This is just family operating with the Holy Spirit living inside of them, taking care of one another, letting their light shine, telling others of people about Jesus, and they're coming to Jesus, and they're telling other people about Jesus. This has nothing to do with revival. This has nothing to do with God turning on a tap and turning it off. This is what the church should look like, which is that people start realizing that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in them, yeah? And where two or three are gathered, he's with you, which is God, yeah, not not just some like statue, not Buddha, not any of these things. God of the universe is then with you and you with the power of God could do quite extraordinary things. People can change, lives can change, people can get saved. People will be healed, delivered, set free. Addicts can be set free from their addictions. People that are being wrapped in demonic stuff can be set free in an instant. People that were in the mud, in the clay, in the pit can be completely poured out of it and set on the rock and saved. But this has nothing to do with like the revival of God turning on the tap and pouring out and turning it off again. So to me, my mission as a church has got to be that if we believe in revival, and I really do, okay, God's going to do it because our nation needs it. And we do need it as a church but we don't really desperately need it. We're not crying out for revival. We're just crying out for the next one to get saved, aren't we? Because it's become normal to us. Oh, Lord, send the next one in. This nation desperately needs revival. This nation needs an awakening. Our governments, our, our education program, everything needs God back where it needs to be. Only that can happen through revival. That's why we need revival. But church, God is here. God is moving in miraculous and incredible ways. So I just want to encourage you that, that our mission, should you choose to accept it, okay, is actually just to keep staying in position with the Lord, moving when he moves, standing when he stands, fighting when he says fight, doing nothing when he says do nothing, waiting on him when he says wait. That's all we need to do. But if we can do that, 
if we can just honor God with our individual lives and collectively as a church, God will be able to do this long after revival comes and goes. So if revival comes, maybe it's the last revival ever and, and praise God. But if it's not, this can still exist after revival. And that's the thing we, I think God is challenging me on as a pastor is that, is that actually why have revivals died? Why have people, why have they just disappeared? Why is it always then, the, 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 when you read the Bible, you keep seeing it. It's going to keep happening. It's a cycle. The, the Israelites, God moved. They broke it. They cried out to God. God moved. They broke it. It's like, why does that happen? Because the church doesn't understand to read Acts 2. It doesn't understand that it can just operate in the power of the Holy Spirit when there is somebody that's born again with somebody else that's born again is enough to change lives. Because the Spirit of God, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, lives in God's people. And that's powerful. Some believers today are locating themselves incorrectly and it's killing you. For example, you may be here, but you're not really here. It's really important that we start to understand that God is knocking on the door of our hearts and he's saying, I want more of it. And we're like, I don't want to, if I want to let you have that part. And God's like, come on, come on, give it to me. It's going to be good for you. And I have a plan. And we're like, yeah, but I like to hold back a bit, God. And God's like, I haven't, we haven't got time for anyone to hold back anymore. God is saying, it's time. Give me everything. Give me everything. Because it's not about you. It's about the people that don't know you. It's about this city that needs saving. It's about this nation that needs Jesus. So just as an example, Luke 6, verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do the... And, do not do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears these my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like the man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream went via, and beat vehemently against the house, and it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without foundation, against which the stream was beat vehemently. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The house is you. It's your life. Yeah? But the, 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 the thing that has to be acknowledged here, both men heard the message. So you can be in the right place, but you've located yourself in the wrong position because of your attitude and the atmosphere around you. And we've got to be very careful that we do not become the one that ends up building our faith on the sand. Because the word will be preached and you will hear it. But are you going to build on the rock? Or are you going to build on the sand? It didn't say he didn't hear it. Oh, it's like someone that doesn't hear it. He heard it and ignored it. And that's what's going on. The guy, this guy, Eutychus, he's in a place where Paul, of all people, is preaching. Wow, guest speaker, international guest speaker. Yeah? And he's there and he's preaching, but he's put himself in the wrong location with the wrong atmosphere, the wrong attitude. He didn't get to hear what was even being said. And it ended up killing him. Now I want to just make a point. If any of you falls asleep during my sermon and dies, I will not be resurrecting you. Okay. You'll be with the Lord. It's probably you win. But this is the compassion that Paul has. He stops his sermon. He goes down. He, he says it's okay. And he prays for the guy. The guy is returned back. It says he comes back. They bring him back into the meeting. I bet you his location was different. So sometimes, church, we've got to die in order that we might live. Sometimes we've got to fall out the window because we're in the wrong atmosphere with the wrong attitudes, and we place ourselves in the wrong place. And sometimes that's a way of God teaching us, saying, look, you're not hearing from me because you've put yourself outside the camp. You, you kind of got a toe there thinking, well, I'm doing church, kind of. I'm on the messenger group. I, just, I did an emoji this week. Kind of there. So I think, I think I count. But actually, you're not there, are you? You're out, outside of it. You know, you're outside of, and then the enemy, man, the enemy, we know the enemy. Yeah, he comes in. Because he's seeking who he may devour. Any moment of vulnerability or weakness that you show, he's going to jump on it and say, oh, see, they don't care about you. Oh, and it's like, well, hang on a minute. You're not even there. Like, how can anyone care about you? You didn't locate yourself in the right place. 
But that's how the enemy works. He gets us into a place of thinking in a certain way. This is why we're, we, we harp on about coming to the gathering, coming to the gathering, coming to the gathering. As if like you're like, well, what is wrong with you? You're a broken record. Shut up. But it's so important because the minute you miss one week, that's two weeks you haven't been gathering together with people. You haven't been in the presence of God. You haven't been around the word of God. And you haven't been having the space to just worship God, which worship is so powerful because even though you might come in with all your bad attitude in the bad atmosphere, if you can still get over that or you've had a bad morning with the kids or the husband or the wife or whatever and you still make it here, if you're still able to lift your hands to the Lord and say, I praise you even though the circumstances around me are not that great right now, I'm going to praise you. It breaks chains. It sets you free. It stops the enemy having an impact on you that's why the gathering is so important that's why we should be gathering so when people say to you why is he going about it it's like you need to read the bible do you know what i mean stop moaning about the preacher telling you to come to church read the bible and see what the god says about it and get here because that's what the word says because i know i get it like i've been in church a long time in my life now when i'm not here i'm weak when not around my brothers and sisters i'm weak when i'm not in the presence of god i'm weak when I've not got space to worship God in the gathering with spirit and truth for everyone else, I'm weak. When I'm not listening to the word of God, I'm weak. If I'm not allowing um, the word of God to do a work in me or the work of the Holy Spirit to do a work in me, that allows me to say I need, to be, I have, I need ministry today because, because I've heard the word and I need something to change, then I'm weak for it. Because then I'm carrying that going, I should have responded, I didn't respond, I wasn't there. Great. I should have been there. And you're watching online maybe and you think, man, that was really good for me and I could have got prayer but I wasn't there. And there was no reason for you not to be there. There's some people that aren't here today because they're sick. There's some people not here because of certain circumstances. But a lot of the time, most of the reason is, is that we wake up on a Sunday morning or go to bed on a Saturday night and we've already decided we're not going to go. For no other reason than we just can't be bothered. Bad attitude. That creates a bad atmosphere that causes you to locate yourself in the wrong place. That then causes you to die. So... I want to encourage you to just make some adjustments. Choose life, not death. Choose life. God is speaking to someone here today to say your attitude needs to change, your influences need to change, your awareness, yeah, your location of it to ensure you put yourself in the right place you need to learn and understand, am I in the right place, God? Because it looks like I am. I'm at the gathering. I'm at the ladies' group. I'm at the men's gathering. I'm at the ladies' gatherings. I'm at the life group. It looks like you're in the right place, but are you actually, with your heart, in the right place with God to receive what God wants to say to you or do in you or use you to do even? Make some adjustments. Attitude, atmosphere. And awareness. How do we adjust these three A's in our lives? Well, we need the three R's. You must have known that, yeah? No? Okay. Repent. Just turn away. Replace what isn't good. Replace it with something that's good. Yeah? Get rid of the stuff that's not doing, the stuff that creates a bad atmosphere. It could be people, but it could also be just an iPhone. It could be your TV subscription. It could be sports. It could be certain habits that you might have replace them with the things of God and respect start to respect God start to respect the fact that if you're in a position where you can hear the word of God respect that and think do you know what I don't even know if this is my favorite preacher right now but I know he's going to preach the word and something can change my life so I'm going to hear it change respect what's going on respect the worship team respect those that are loving you and welcoming you, respect that, receive that, and be like, man, I got so much benefit from today. People said they missed me and I hadn't been for a few weeks. But if you just come in with your head down, like, don't you talk to me, and you walk out again, you think no one spoke to me. Not one person. No one. And people are like, you just, you just walked in like a battering ram, sat down, and walked out like a battering ram and went home. How can anyone find out how you're doing? I've done it before, so it's not to condemn you. I've done the same thing. I'm like, I don't want to speak to anyone. I don't want to look at anyone. Really. But then you go away going, no one really made an effort with me today, did they? What a crazy bunch we are, do you know what I mean? Like, because we create it for ourselves. We create it for ourselves, don't we? We create the atmosphere. We create the thing that we've already set ourselves up with a bad attitude. Oh, it's not going to be. It's going to be like this. 
The one thing I can guarantee about this church is there's no agenda. People love you. I promise you that people love you. We might love badly sometimes. We might make mistakes, but that's okay because we're humans and sometimes we just, it just gets muddly sometimes. Yeah, it gets, friction happens when there's family. But, but, but one thing I can say is that there's no agenda. No one's trying to hurt you, destroy you, or tear you down. People want the best for you, and the best for you is Jesus. So they, they, they want to point you to Jesus, and they want to encourage you to Jesus. So, so just, just know that you don't need to come in with an attitude of, like, I think they're, they're going to, I think they must hate me now. I haven't been for three weeks. Wow. Maybe they're going to return my membership. <laughs> you, you didn't even have a membership. So, like, can we just have the worship team, please? Repent, replace, respect. So I just want to encourage you. The reason I feel like God maybe wanted this to be shared today is just if we can get hold of these things, attitude, atmosphere, awareness, and we can adjust them, God can move powerfully in your life. And if he's moving powerfully in your life and he's moving powerfully in the person next to you, that's when God can move. Yeah, where the gathering together, that's what happened. It was... It was the disciples on Pentecost stood up together. Peter preached, but they stood up together. And when they stood up together, it changed the world. The church was established. Thousands of people came to Jesus. All we need to do is do what the disciples did, which is wait for the Lord in the upper room. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and work in us and just get in his presence and be where he wants us to be. And if we're not doing business with him, do business with him. If your attitude's wrong or your complacency or comfort has crept in. So even as a leader, like I said, this week, Jess isn't preached. I'm just like, well, that's good. Jess is preaching. And then even in my head, I was like, oh, I'll just let, you know, the Holy Spirit move. That would be great. I'll just do that. Worship team are like, great. I've got I've like 70 songs now. Thanks. But like, but even that's a bad attitude. Because I don't know if God wants to do that either. You think he would. But he has a plan. And our job is to be in, in, in a place and in fellowship with him to be like, God, is, what is your plan? And I want to be available to you and I want to hear your voice so that we can actually do what he wants us to do and be where he wants us to be. So this isn't a message to condemn you. It's a message to say it's happening to all of us. God is challenging us about our attitude. He's challenging us about the atmosphere that we put around us. And even though you might not be struggling with drunk and drunk and drink and drugs or or smoking or swearing or or um, pornography or whatever it might be, you might not be struggling with those things. Have you put other things now in place instead? How how much of an idol is Netflix or Prime Video now? How much is that taking up time from reading the Word? Like, and this isn't legalism in the sense like no one's going to come and chat. You do what you want to do. But it's just a challenge. This is what God is challenging me on. I know he's challenging many people on. Like, how are you spending your... Anne was speaking to me last week and she said she put something on telly. But she was like, I'm just not interested in this anymore. Jesus has just moved in the ladies' day. And I'm frustrated because there's nothing to do. I don't know what this is like. This is literally the conversation I was having with her. And I get it because I was chatting the same to Leanne and Joe this week. And they were saying the same thing. I don't know what to do. I'm restless. Because Jesus moved. He's doing all his stuff. And I'm not comfortable with just putting the telly on anymore. It just seems, and it's not legalism. It's not like that's a rule. It's the Holy Spirit calling us to holiness. And he's just saying to us, like God is saying, come, come deeper, come closer. You know, there's a, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about dipping your toe in the water. But God says, no, I want you to dive in. I want you to dive in the deep. I just want you to soak fully in me. No more dipping the toe. No more up to your shins. No more up to your waist. Just dive in, get to the deep end, deep end and get in there and just soak in the presence of God. And, and, and maybe people needed to hear this because they feel like they're going crazy because they're thinking, I feel like I'm the super spiritual one. Everyone seems like they call it like the, the, you know, the people that might look at you and go, oh, you're just so spiritual, you're too spiritual, as if it's a condemnation thing. But the truth is we've tasted God and we've seen God and we've seen that it is good. And once we receive the goodness of God, we want more of what God's got to offer and less of what all the other stuff does because we know it leads to destruction and death. So God is challenging us all about our atmosphere and our attitude, what is surrounding you. So you need to not worry about what the next person's doing to you. Someone else is saying, I'm giving up Netflix. You don't have to give up Netflix. You seek God on what you need to do. But whatever God is challenging you on, you, 
God is now at your door saying it's time. And I believe that's why the message is important today. Because I believe God is saying it's time to start looking at your life and saying what is in the way? What is my attitude like? Am I actually griping and moaning about the things of God? How have I got here? What's going on? You know, sometimes I'll get people because it's a church, isn't it? Some people will say, oh, struggling with this. And I'll be like, oh, wow. Like, and it's just about how something's run in the church. I'll say, like, what was the salvation's not enough for you? Because not that long ago, five years ago, we would have been moaning that there was nobody getting, coming into the church and getting saved. Sometimes we've got to get our eyes off of, like, oh, it's not fitting. It's not the way I want it to be. And just look at what God is doing. And be like, oh, God, you're doing, like, what are you doing? Can you imagine if the Israelites actually got hold of this and be like, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, we're not getting our, our uh, what was the stuff that they, they moaned about that they weren't getting in Israel? The sort of food? No, but what was the thing that they wanted? They were saying, we had, what was it? Meat, but what, what was it? Iron. Garlic, that was it. Meat and garlic. We haven't got meat and garlic, but if they see the miracle of water coming out of a rock in the middle of a desert and they accepted, like, look at what God is doing. They wouldn't be so focused on what they once had. They would know they're in good hands with the Lord. So we, are, even in the miracles of what God's doing, even in the baptisms that we're seeing, all the, the salvations that are happening, all the growth that is happening, all your friends or your family that you're inviting in and then they're giving their lives to Jesus and you're like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Like all this kind of stuff. You know, um, Christine's not here, is she? So Christine last week, right, we had a baptism last week. And um, she's my friend's here today. She doesn't know Jesus. But um, she wants to get baptized. She's not ready to get baptized. She wants her daughter to be here. So, so, but you are going to preach the gospel at the end of the message, aren't you? So she's going to give her life to Jesus at the end. And I just love the attitude of the, that someone's brought a friend saying, well, actually, they're going to give their life to Jesus. We're in that life now. Where someone that, like Christina, who didn't even know Jesus roughly about this time last year, or gave her life to Jesus about a year ago, is now having the expectancy that I'm bringing a friend and they're getting saved. And sometimes we're moaning about, well, the fact the lights aren't working, that's irritating, isn't it? But, you know, like we could be moaning about some things that are just so superficial and we're missing out on what God is doing because it didn't meet our need. But if we just take a breath and see, but look what just happened. Someone just changed their life forever, for eternity. Why am I moaning about the fact that someone sat in my seat? But that's bad attitude. Bad atmosphere is the influences, like I said, the things that get in the way of God. And awareness, respect, being aware of what is going on around us, what God is actually doing. I feel like a lot of the time as a pastor, when I'm meeting with people, and people will know this, they'll come and tell me that something's wrong and that stuff, that's great, that's why I'm here. But usually I would just tell them what is right. Usually I say, yeah, that's, I see you, I hear you. That's, I, I'm not saying it's not a bad thing, but look what God is doing. And they'll go, yeah, you're right. And I think that's how we need to start looking at life. And that's how I want people to talk to me. You know, if I'm saying, oh, it's all going wrong. And Claire's like, yeah, you're right, it is. <laughs> She's not. Like, it's the opposite. It's like, but look what God is doing. Look at what is happening. Look at the prayers that have been answered. People, you guys got greedy. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, one of your kids gets saved. It's like, well, I want all of them saved, Lord. This is not good enough. You prayed two decades for that one. Yeah? And I think we just have an expectancy that God's going to do stuff. But we've got to be careful we don't get complacent. And that we respect God with his plan. Repent. Replace. And respect. So we just stand? And I just want to give people the opportunity to just do business with God just to do some business with God, just them and God right now. Just say, God, if, if search yourself. Say to God, search me, O Lord. Say it, go on. Search me, O Lord, okay? And, 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 and ask him to search you. Just is the attitude wrong? Is the atmosphere wrong? Is your awareness wrong? Just ask him to search you. God's not going to revamp you tonight, okay, or today. You don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I still feel like I've got issues. He's going to start the process today so you don't even have to feel like you've got to change tomorrow if you've got your husband or your wife with you and they're like well you prayed for something you should have changed by now it's been two hours yeah you can say no God is a work in progress but I'm aware yeah I'm aware that I need to change but I'm working on it okay 
All right? So letting God do the work in us. Let him show you and reveal to you what it might be. Attitude, atmosphere, awareness. Because if we don't change, even in the midst of some glorious, incredible things that God is doing, we could fall to our death. We could actually get so complacent that we're in the right place, in the wrong location, and we miss the whole thing. And does anyone want to miss what God's got? I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss any of it. I want to be in it with God. So God, I don't want to be by the window in the wrong place. So I fall to my death. I fall asleep at the wheel. I, I just don't focus on what you're doing. And I miss the whole thing. I want to be in it with you. I want to be in it with you, God. So I repent. I ask you, show me what I need to replace. And Lord, help me to respect the things that you are doing and the things that others are doing in your name that I could receive the full nourishment from my faith so I can grow. So Father, I pray for everyone in this room and I'm praying for myself too. Lord, search us. Search us, Lord, for any wickedness that might be in us, anything that's in us that's in the way of us and you, God. Because, God, you are challenging us to go deeper with you. And, God, even though I feel like, even for myself, I'm clinging on with my fingernails to some of the old remnant of stuff that's got no benefit for me, but it still feels like I'm holding on to it for some strange reason. Help me to just let go of it, God. Help me to get rid of it, God. Help me to just say no or no more. I just want to be in your presence, God. I just want to be at your feet. I just want to be at your feet. Um, Kathy did an amazing message. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. Um, it's on Facebook and YouTube. But she pointed out something that I've never noticed before, that actually Mary sat at Jesus' feet twice. She sat at his feet, first of all, um, and just listened to him teach. And then later on, she she was able to sit at his feet and actually prepare him for burial. Now get this, this is what I got from what, what was said, is that Jesus was saying over and over and over and over again, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. And the disciples are like, yeah, yeah. And then even when they've written the gospels afterwards, they say something along the lines of, we didn't get that at the time. Yeah, we missed it, we didn't understand. He kept on saying it, but we didn't understand. But how is it that Mary understood to prepare Jesus for burial? Why? Because she sat at his feet. She chose what he said. She chose to do the right thing. Martha, what you're doing is great, but Mary's chosen the right thing. She's chosen to listen to my voice. And so because she was sat listening to his voice, she heard him when he said, I'm going to die. So when she's pouring out that oil on his feet, it's not by accident. It's because she heard the voice of God. And how did she hear the voice of God? Because she was willing to sit in his presence, church. If you want to hear the voice of God for your children, for your work, for your job situation, for, for your financial situation, for your marriage. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to make decisions to remove certain things so that you can sit at his feet and hear his voice. Because when you hear his voice, you'll know what to do.